I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, it is Veterans Day weekend. It is. And Did you have Friday you off? Uh, no. Yeah, no. She no. needed to die. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those holidays that kind of gets ignored by like most major jobs. Mm-hmm. It's like people kind of it sneaks up on people, and it's like, oh, that's right, it was a holiday, and just. Keep I feel going. particularly bad because where I work, it's made up of mostly veterans. Ah, look at that! And we still don't get it off. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but overall, this was a pretty big weekend at the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a Marvel movie has just come out. Before we start talking about it. Uh, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and review or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and say hi. Check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. Do you think we'll still keep the Twitter? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. And if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It is such a great way for you to get involved, show your support, and get awesome extra content. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And thank you to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Bale, Cindy, and CD. Thank you so much to them for joining us on this adventure. So we are going to talk about the brand new Marvel movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Yes. Uh, So we will not spoil it early on, and then we'll get into spoilers afterwards. But Jessica, let us know what this movie's about. The IMDb synopsis reads, The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Yes, uh, very straightforward, and the movie is very much that. Uh, the movie is directed and written by Ryan Coogler. He, of course, directed the first Black Panther. Uh, he also directed Fruitvale Station and Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is joined on the writing team by Joe Robert Cole. The music, once again, by my boy Ludwig Gornson. Yes. And uh, the movie does star... Uh, a lot of the same people from the first movie with a mm-hmm. couple of new additions. We have uh, Leticia Wright as Shuri. We have Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia. We have Denai Guerrera as Okoye. Winston Duke as M'Baku. Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda. Uh, we have Martin Freeman as Everett Ross. Uh, Florence Kasumba as Ayo. And then our newcomers in this movie, uh, Michaela Cole as Anika. Dominique Thorne as Riri. And then... The villain of the movie, uh, Tenoch Huerta as Namor. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's <laughs> introducing Tenoch Huerta. I don't know if you caught that in at the ending credit. Oh, it said I introducing. Got you. Because well, to is, the American Western audience, exactly. I guess. So, uh, you want to let us know how this movie did, not only with critics, but how it did at the box office as well. All right. So here we go. I don't think we can fathom like these numbers but it made 180 million dollars just domestically here in the united states worldwide 
The number is $330 million. It completely obliterated November records. It was yep. obviously the number one movie of the weekend. Yep. And the Rotten Tomatoes score is 84% from critics and 95% for the audience. The critics' consensus reads, a poignant tribute that satisfyingly moves the franchise forward, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, marks an ambitious and emotionally rewarding triumph for the MCU. So um, this movie had so much working against it. Yes. Uh, so how to tackle a movie like this, uh, obviously starting off with the big thing is that Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us. Uh, he, you know, passed away from uh, his very silent uh, battle with cancer. And um, that is something that the movie is basically grieving with as it goes on. And not just the movie, but also the making of the movie. Because if yeah. you if you ever if you followed any of the press tour, if you followed anything, you can see the the pain that this cast and crew uh, had with that giant Chadwick Boseman-sized hole that the movie kind of has. And I think overall, the movie does a pretty good job of working within that confined space of this is a movie to honor Chadwick, but also trying to stay within the MCU and at the same time trying to be a compelling movie. What did you think about the way they progress with it the best parts of the movie are when characters are grappling with their grief mm -hmm. grappling with how to move forward with mm -hmm. how to live their lives without you know t'challa black panther and chadwick boseman at large and that's woven into the dna of the movie is this yes. grief this sadness this melancholy feeling and i really really appreciated that the movie didn't shy away from that they just they were like, let's just sit in it. Like, let's just sit in our mourning. And that's the best part of the movie is that an MCU is actually covering grief in a very believable and emotional, poignant way. And I do feel like that's the best tribute they could have done for Chadwick Boseman was to give him all of the, the love and respect within the movie itself, within the narrative and it worked. I think that was the best part of the movie. I also really liked the newcomer, uh, especially. <laughs> and when I say newcomer, because I feel like uh, Dominique Thorne and Michaela Cole as Anika and Riri are not the best parts of the newcomer sect. Yeah. It's 100% to notch. Yes. But that, um, I left the theater really amazed by what he brought to the role with how they approached that character and how they updated it for today's audience and how they mm -hmm. paid homage and respect to a culture that <laughs> is largely no longer with us, right? Because right. of colonization and the conquistadors and the history itself is against us and trying to recreate something of this magnitude. And I think they did the best they could. It was oh, really sure. beautiful and stunning to see and hear and experience. The third act in the narrative that kind of happens with the confrontation and everything i don't think that was the strongest at all no in I fact i almost want to remove it from the movie entirely and just have like a not so much of a battle or you know i i just think it didn't work that well 
And there's a kind of like a lot of loopholes where I'm like, why did they do this? Like if I was that character, I probably wouldn't have done this and so on and so forth. I think the, the most, uh, props or kudos that you can give should be to Letitia Wright. Mm-hmm. She carried the movie on her back and truly did a great job. She was very compelling. And I feel like it was a good choice to have her pick up the pieces and deal with this loss in and outside of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. So she does a lot of the heavy lifting, but I think a special shout out needs to go to Angela Bassett. No, no, no. I was telling my sister on the way out of the theater or on the drive out. I was like, so I'm really upset that like we Angela Bassett's not going to get any sort of recognition, especially Oscars wise for this performance because i was stunned by angela bassett she was incredible she's a powerhouse well yeah she's always been a powerhouse no matter what i know but but, you know allowing her to kind of take control and command of uh things that are happening in the movie letting her be the focal point in in a lot of sequences was very uh necessary Mm. because you need uh, when you're when you're dealing with grief and when you're dealing with a loss that's so big, you need someone who's going to hold it together early on, especially early on in a movie, because everybody's mm-hmm. going to go into the movie with the same question. Yeah. How are they going to do without Chadwick? So that's like a big question that everyone walks into the movie with. And so having someone like Angela Bassett kind of carry the load early yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I think is just wonderful work by her mm-hmm. uh there's a sequences that we could talk about where she just is captivating oh my god just, i can't take my eyes off her you she cannot, was stunning she was, she was such an anchor such an anchor for the movie yes and it was necessary to have mm-hmm. her there um now there's there's a couple of things that i will say like um before i get into um Tenoch, uh, like Winston Duke felt kind of like he felt like he was in the background too much in this movie. Like they didn't really ca- use him as much as I thought they would. Uh, this is definitely more centered around the women of Wakanda. And I love that. And it's great. I that wouldn't have it any fantastic. other way. <laughs> uh, that And so they do sideline the deny, though, like in the last third of the movie. They do sideline her, yeah. Um, and that's a story choice of what they're doing within the characters there uh, that we could talk about in spoilers. Uh, but now with all that, there's all the inclusions of new characters. Again, more female power. We have Michaela Cole, who is a new member of, well, not necessarily the Dory Milaje. Like, she's kind of like a offshoot of it. Um, and then we have uh, Dominique Thorne playing Reby. This is this one's a big one only because of the fact that Disney has already cemented their flag. We're going to make an Ironheart show, you know. So this character is being introduced to us now, so that way she could carry her own show coming up next year in 2023. And I I mean it's a solid introduction, but I don't think it was necessary for this movie, this story that they were telling. Um, it was kind of hard because her style or her story and like her presence in it and her vibe didn't really feel like it matches the tone of the movie. 100%. 
And so it was kind of tough to keep incorporating her into the she plot. She felt shoehorned in there. She really does. And it's because, you know, Marvel still is a machine that has to keep going. They they can't really stop for anything. And so, yeah, I, I, I saw the eye roll. <laughs> Uh, so even in a moment like this where we are trying to grieve and and memorialize Chadwick and through the performances and through the plot, Marvel still has to get in there. Hey, we know you, you're mourning right now, but we also have something coming up next year. So, yeah, it kind of sucks because I don't think it does service to the story and it no. doesn't do service to a new character either. Uh, so her tone just does not match with what hap- what's happening in this movie. Uh, now, one thing I will say about the movie, the first movie itself had this tone, not tone, uh, it's an idea of should we stay isolated or should we be out in the world? Yeah. And then the fight between the morality of uh, T'Challa versus King, uh, Killmonger, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. how they view Wakanda and how Wakanda should be. Here in this movie, we're kind of seeing something a little uh, similar, but it's more of allies and being able to work together with other people or if everyone's out on their own. You know, can you you stand alone or do you can you work together? So here's the thing, because it's sort of taking the concept of the first movie to the next level, because the first movie was Wakanda was an island. They did not help anybody. It was Wakanda and everybody else. And of course, Killmonger comes in, really upsets the status quo, really makes Chadwick think about their place in society, how they can help the world at large because they have prospered and they have all of this wonderful technology and the vibranium and blah, 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 blah. So at the end, they decide to start an outreach program and start sharing what they have. Except now, you know, do they want to return to how they were? Because that is how this new society is working. It's them versus everybody else. And they're extremely xenophobic. And I think that that's done on purpose because you kind of have a negative view of everybody else where he's arrogant. Like the character, Tenoch's character is very arrogant and he he has a lot of pride. And that is how Killmonger viewed Wakanda in the first movie. Like whether you agreed with him or not, that's how that character was portraying Wakanda. Like, how dare you when all these other people, your countrymen, your brethren or whatever, are suffering. So I think that this one is a little bit, I mean, it's different, but also kind of taking that concept to the next level. Yes. I don't necessarily feel like, whereas the first movie, you can kind of see both sides and you're like, wow, which side am I on? Am I on uh T'Challa's side or am I on Killmonger's side? In this one, I don't think there's any like contest. I think we're pretty much on Leticia's side or Shuri's side yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Because it, makes- it is so extreme what Tenocha's character is suggesting and what he demands. Yeah, I agree. Because like you were saying, a good villain will make you empathize with them and even question whether or not he's right Mm -hmm. and 
there is a brief moment in this movie where the idea of, you know, isolation at on the part of now this new tribe, the Atlanteans, where they feel that they need to stay isolated. And the way they want to stay isolated uh, is either we stay away or we will come out and fight. You know, and if we come out and fight, we're coming out to take out anyone who's against us. And if you're not with us, then you are against us. It's uh, not to quote Star Wars, but only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> and it go. was a very like, you're with us or against us. There's no in between. There's no uh, compromise here. It's my way or the highway. Exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, Namor's character, how did you feel about the introduction of the new world that we are introduced to? Uh, the Atlanteans, the the actual world that they call uh, Talukan. So it's not Atlantis the way it was in the comics when it originally was established. They have modernized it for uh, cultural aspects to really dive in. How did you feel that was handled? I thought it was handled pretty well, especially with a little help from Ludwig, mm -hmm. because um, I honestly feel like the city itself was fine to look at, but the actual sequence, the way it was edited, the underwater like spectacle of it and Ludwig's songs, I, I mean, his music made it even better than it probably was without music, if you feel me. I know exactly what you mean. And I... Love how there was an interview I saw of Ryan Coogler saying that he mentioned these other properties and he said, I love Aquaman and I love Atlantis, the animated movie from when we were kids. And I was like, oh, wow, that's the, <laughs> the last Empire movie with, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox as a voice actor oh and goodness. all of it. Yeah. So when he mentioned that, I was like, oh my God. He said, I love all these things and I wanted to do something different than those. And not step on anybody's toes. And I thought that they they achieved that for sure. For yeah, sure. I, I thought they that they too. achieved that. But was it memorable? Was it like end all be all amazing? Like probably not. Is mm. is it all right? Gotcha. I I would say that there was a moment where I thought to myself, oh, uh visually this looks cool. I, I still don't think anyone has nailed the underwater thing quite yet. Uh, that one's still a tough one, I think, for anyone to get down. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, I still found myself enjoying what I was seeing. Uh, I thought it was yeah. visually really good. But then again, it gets helped out so much by Ludwig. Uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. I wanted to ask you about that. How did you feel about uh, what he did in the movie this amazing. time around? Amazing. I loved it. I love Ludwig and I love this interview that I saw of him too because I've been on TikTok for two days and it's just been Black Panther talk actually. Yeah. Wakanda Forever talk. And he did this interview where he was saying, well, I basically dove deep into Mesoamerican um, music and which mm. is extremely hard to replicate and know what it sounded like because obviously it was eradicated. It doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist. So he was like, I went to Mexico and I, you know, researched it. I went and talked with formative experts in the fields of like historical Mesoamerican music. And they were like, well, it could sound like this. It could sound like that. They had some instruments there. He looked up, um, I think rappers that rapped mm. in Mayan. Oh, nice. and he, 
he was like, I looked it up. There were only about 10 people that wrapped in Mayan. It's, you know, and he got with them. They set up a little recording studio in his Airbnb in Mexico and they fucking recorded like songs and they had Mayan rappers and they had these instruments that were, uh, was it authentic? Yes. And you can feel the influences from that. Of course, you can also feel the African or Afro beats from the original movie, the hip hop elements and stuff like that. But I think that he really nailed the homework assignment. The homework assignment. Yeah. <laughs> he did. And I did like the use of, uh, in my head, it was just like Spanish. Spanish, English. yeah. That's what English. I heard too. A lot yeah, of Spanish. So I really appreciated that as I was listening, you know, throughout the movie. I want to listen to the soundtrack. I want to listen Me to too. the I haven't original had a chance. score. Yeah. To really dive deep into that. Uh, before we get into any spoilers or anything, did you want to talk about any other uh, subjects or anything else regarding. Well, one last thing uh, I, w- I will say uh, is that this is the last movie in Phase 4. Uh, so if you're okay. looking at Phase 4 as a whole, it's a lot of up and down. It's 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 You're telling me. <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, the, the pacing is weird in different places because it kind of starts us off. Um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, WandaVision was the first thing in this phase and right. uh since then like you know the movies were up and down the the shows were up the and shows down. were up and down uh i don't know if marvel has found its footing ever since endgame it's no. been really tough for them because obviously this is a transition period for them until they're getting into their next story which is going to be in the next movie that's where like their next big story starts really um but how do you feel is, is this the best that they did in this phase because we we're talking uh, what, like do you want to tell us what the phase yeah, four movies are okay cool. so like in terms of movies uh we're looking at black widow uh shang chi eternals uh spider-man no way uh, uh no way home uh obviously this uh doctor strange in the multiverse of madness uh, I and all the shows, I guess. And then, of course, the shows that have been released on Disney Plus. So it, all the shows, right? Loki, Wakanda, uh, WandaVision, WandaVision, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, uh, uh, She-Hulk, uh, She-Hulk. Marvel, uh, yes. Falcon and the Wild Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think if if it was counted correctly, it's there's like 17 projects if you include like I Am Groot and. And what if, like, if you include both of those, then yeah, then you have like 17 different projects. I think four things out of those 17 are good. It's Mm Shang-Chi, No Way Home, Mm -hmm. this movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Loki, maybe Wakanda, and of course, WandaVision. So five. So five. Five things really stand out. Five things of repute. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I am willing to agree. Uh, yeah. Not that I don't enjoy stuff like Hawkeye or She-Hulk or Miss Marvel. I really enjoyed Miss Marvel. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Those are the five things that I would say if... Carrying the are, team. 
carrying right, this team yes. in phase four. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, so shout out to to Wanda Maximoff. Shout out to Loki, <laughs> uh, Spider Man, and of course the team at Wakanda Forever for really carrying and Shang Chi. Come on. Oh yeah, Shang Chi. Of course. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah, you're right. Like, uh, we haven't heard anything from him or or them that team that that story or anything uh coming soon which is surprising to me but maybe there'll be an announcement or something who knows uh you know so, mcu's tight-lipped they are they like are a lockbox over there but i mean they made all these announcements for phase five and then they even started even phase six and not a peep of shang chi you know mm. so that's the only thing in my head it's like well are we gonna get another Shanchi, or I is he see. just gonna be involved? I guess as an Avenger, maybe. Who knows? But we'll see what happens right. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Wait, 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 wait! Oh, let's give uh, our scores. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. So, uh, grade. What did you give it as a grade? A B. B. Uh, I actually went with B plus. Ah. Yeah. So. Okay. Just a little, just a little bit more, <laughs> uh, but we can talk about uh, why specifically uh, in spoilers right after this. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's go ahead and discuss spoilers for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Jessica, is there any place you want to start us? Let's start at the intro because they got me so dirty with the Mm. intro of the funeral and the procession, everybody in mourning color, which is white for the kingdom of Wakanda. Everything was stunning. There was, they made it seem like a very much a celebration of his life. life. Yeah. And, you could tell that obviously the only people who were sad were the royal family, and that's Shuri and the queen. And I was very appreciative of the fact that they kind of made that distinction that the country, although it's in mourning, is, you know, very tri- triumphant, I guess. Right. It's, and, a, it's, it's triumphant because they know that death is not the end. And their, I love that. People. Yes, and I love that for sure. I'm not quite sure where they took his coffin when they hollow, hollow, what's it called? They beamed it up to the ship. I love Shuri being the focal point of a lot of the shots. And of course, it's because she is the main character of the movie. And uh, what's it? Then they have the Marvel uh, logo thing. Well, it's all chadwick boseman as black panther and it's completely silent no music i i I gotta give it up to them uh because that entire opening sequence is like a gut punch oh it's not something that i expected them to like open the movie with Mm -hmm. so like you see like this franticness at the beginning where people are just zooming in oh we need to figure out you know this and that and Mm -hmm. his heart rate is going down it's like I was caught by surprise when they like started the movie like that. And um yeah, so uh, that's a gut punch. Um I will say that anything involving Angela Bassett early on, especially like when 
She is at the UN. The UN. Meeting. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. And the then the power. Indian- you just feel the power that yeah. she has. Oh my gosh. Like she's telling them, like, I know what you guys say about us that mm-hmm. our king is dead, that our protector, we're, we don't have a protector anymore. But mm-hmm. we're going to show you who we really are. And they're intercutting that with what she's talking about is like, we have reports saying that one of our our outreaches is being, you know, trying, you know, infiltrated for our vibranium. Yeah, it's for being our attacked. Resources. It's trying to, there's a massive theft that almost happened and we know who was behind it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as an act of, you know, mercy and everything, she just brings the mercenaries on a display to them. Yeah. Like, hey, we know who did this. You do it again. It is going Watch. to be an act yeah. of aggression towards us and we will retaliate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a commanding moment there. Also, another commanding moment with her involved is when they're in the kingdom of Wakanda after Shuri has been kidnapped. And oh, you know, stop. she is oh. doing a dress down of Okoye. And, you know, we see it in the trailer. Like, we hear her give that speech. We have that a little bit of it. Yeah, in the trailer. Have I not given everything? And it's so powerful. Like, I thought when we got to that moment, it wouldn't be as big of a thing. But, oh my gosh, I was so wrong. It was so good. Yeah, it was It was incredible. And, you know, the movie has its, its twist there. Like, Okoye being taken out of power as the general. Like, I didn't expect that. No, you know? neither did I. Yeah, but it's one of those things when, like, there is a power vacuum, you know, whoever steps up and is the new leader starts making decisions. And in this case, a lot of the decisions that are made from all the characters are so emotion, emotion based that it's hard for them to like come around and be like, all right, let's think this through. Everybody Mm -hmm. is really on edge with all their emotions. So like the queen, queen Ramonda is on edge with her emotions. She is so, you know, she feels so terrible about the loss of her son that she's doing everything she can to protect her daughter, even if it means weakening the defenses of Wakanda by, you know, taking Okoye out of out of the general spot. But because she is so focused on, I need to protect my family at no at whatever cost. And even when the threat of Namor comes and he says, don't bring us up to anyone, because if you do, we will come and we will attack. And she still doesn't heed that warning because she's like, they have my daughter. I don't care what it is. I'm going to get my daughter no matter what. And then, you know, she leaks the information out. She doesn't then- leak the info. No, oh, no, no, no. You're right, what you're she right. does is she sends uh, Lupita in and said, said I'm going to distract Namor yeah. while you extract my daughter yes. because he's holding her hostage. Yeah, and that was in no uncertain terms. That's exactly what Namor said when he confronted the queen. When he confronted Ramonda, he was like, you know, watch what happens. You know, don't say anything. Do as I say, and no harm will come to your daughter. That that is a clear, like line in the sand. No yeah. pun intended, because they were on the beach. But yeah. you know, she took her out of the equation. That was the only bargaining chip that he had that was going to get her to move in his direction. And yeah. she took her out of the situation. And of course, 
Letitia Wright's character, Shuri, was like, no, 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 we can't be killing these people that are guarding me because it's it'll be considered an act of war, right. an act of aggression. And that's what he reacts to. It's not that she leaked any information to right. the U.S. or anybody else, but, you know, they're what, they took away his hostage <laughs> and they killed his people. Yep. And now he has no bargaining chip, so he went after them. Yeah. And then, you know, we we suffer another loss in the movie. So here's my thing is that, of course, Namor retaliates after they kill a couple of his people, which to me, I'm like, okay, it's a couple of like, how could they not kill anybody because you had her kidnapped? So to me, it was like, of course, there was going to be some retaliation from their part trying to get her out, trying to get Shuri out. So he attacks the the capital city of Wakanda, and I thought this was stupid because he's like, "Bear, you're dead." Blah blah blah. He gives him a week before he comes will come back and destroy the rest of Wakanda. Well, here here's and I was like, "This is the stupidest thing he could have done because he gave them a week to figure out how to beat him." Well, here, well, yeah, I I agree with you there. But before, let if you rewind just a little bit back, when when he's before the retaliation, obviously he's giving demands and everything, and he loses his bargaining chip. But leading up to that, what he is hoping, and he even mentions it uh, when he sits down on his throne and he speaks to his people, is that he had a hope for some type of an alliance. An alliance. He wants yes, to be he, and so an he, ally with Wakanda. Right. And so, but they have case, to. They have to be with his agenda. Right, exactly. So he was hoping that with we have Shuri, they'll negotiate, we'll partner up. That is his thinking, obviously. But again, now, it's very arrogant. It's no. like I said before, it's very arrogant very and prideful arrogant. of him to think that they're going to do what I say after I kidnap their princess. <laughs> you know, what I, the heir right, to the throne. Exactly. That's what that's like what he's, he thinks. Yeah, because he's out like, of his mind. <laughs> he's been around for how many centuries? Hundreds like, of years. Yeah, yeah he's so, like sixteen hundreds really or had something. Had to really interact with another, you know, type of yes. people. He's, he's always never just been the king. Exactly, he has never done this before. He's right. never interacted with the surface world other than to bury his mother. Right. And what did he do? He destroyed the conquistador, you know, Franciscan outpost or whatever the fuck was there. Um, I think that he has never read the art of war he has no negotiating experience <laughs> he did everything wrong showed aggression and of course it didn't go his way right yeah but i agree i agree i just <laughs> wanted to say that that i his idea of hope was there even if the hope was that they do what he wanted but Right, exactly. But he had no no room for compromise. No, he didn't. Or that they might possibly have demands of their own. Also true. I agree. Totally. You know agree. what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's no, just no, I totally agree. Very short sighted, very prideful and arrogant and you know, all the things. Yes. Uh a couple of things that I wanted to mention of a dictator. <laughs> hey, look at that. Uh so again. A couple of things that happened in this movie were introduced to Riri Williams, who is uh, Ironheart, who is basically uh-huh. an MIT super brain. She's a prodigy. Uh, she's a prodigy. And so 
in the comics, she kind of takes the mantle of Iron. Yes. Not necessarily man, but you know. I figured as much it was to kind of telegraph that way, especially when they were like, she got an Iron Man. Oh, shit. She got an Iron Man suit. The Mm -hmm. uh, SWAT team or whatever that tried to jump up on him. And, you know, she beats him really easily. She flies all over the place. It's kind of messy. But ultimately, the final fit that she's wearing in the final third act is very similar to an Iron Man suit. And it had the same sort of capability as an Iron Man suit. Yeah, of course. I don't I got to be honest. I don't give a shit about this character. I thought I would, but I didn't. Especially when they were like, oh, it's like this young girl, the scientist that created the vibranium uh, uh, tracker. machine tracker thing. And they go to MIT and she's just like, I don't know. She didn't have as much charisma as I thought like mm. that she would have. Especially when the other prodigy genius kid in the universe, the MCU, is Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah. Something she should at least be... As Very charismatic charming, as. charismatic as Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Endearing yeah. or whatever. Whatever she wants to play it as. But it wasn't. I was like, I'm bored. Which is why I feel like this is not the movie or the place to introduce that character. Especially when everyone else is so colorful. You know what I'm saying? Right. All the other characters are well established. We love them. We're rooting for them. And then they introduce this girl. Like, why are they sticking their necks out for this girl? They just met her. And it just didn't gel at all with the picture of grief and the warring vibranium countries, you know. Yes. Uh, then you have this American girl kind of in the mix, and I was like, mm, it just not, yeah, not it fun. Really, like she wasn't fun. Doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in this movie, we see Martin Freeman's character. He's been another stick in the mud for the movie. <laughs> The first time I saw him, I was like, oh, cool. Like, he's got a cameo. No, no, no. Then they kept bringing him back. And he was dealing with, uh, what's her name? Valeria? Uh, Valentina. Valentina. That's. Defontaine. Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Who's been showing up throughout. They have this, like, they dropped this bomb that they were married. Yeah, I didn't know that. They're exes, evidently. And I was like, what does this have to do with Wakanda Forever? Like, Honestly, why were they pushing that narrative, that subplot? Again, it, it's there was more enough like the MCU already. stuff. Yeah, like they had to have Valentina come into the mix, be some sort of contractor or whatever for the military and for the government, mm-hmm. and affect the Wakandans and affect policy and all this crap. And I was like, this just again very boring and political. And I understand that they introduce politics in the beginning of the sh- of the show, in the beginning of the movie, because she goes to the UN, the queen goes to the UN, and the French and the American dignitaries yep. are hiding the fact that they're 100% gunning for vibranium. Yes, they're gunning for it. They're they want their to resources. Infiltrate the different yeah. outposts. Mm-hmm. And I think they mentioned destabilization a few times. That's and. Actually, the term destabilization was used in the first Black Panther movie because that is what Killmonger used to do with the American military. Is he used to go and infiltrate countries and destabilize them during this time of flux. Whenever there was a new leader, an election year, a death of a royal, or whatever the case may be, these were prime times to destabilize the country and take whatever they want and pilfer their resources. And that is what is kind of happening in the background 
in the States, but they don't really commit. No, they don't do a full committal of, no. like, if they're going to talk about that, then let that be the driving action. Uh, so here's the thing that I thought was going to happen in the third act. I thought the third act would be one of those things where we do have the Atlanteans and the Wakandans at odds, but then there is a Then they have driving, to team up because, yes, because you know. the an outside military force was going to come in to try to attack uh, the Atlanteans, and then the Wakandans would jump in to say, hey, we're going to be your allies because we're not going to stand for something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I They're thought coming after was- both of us because we both have control of Vibranium. Yeah, so I thought that's where, like, it was going because it kind of felt like it was setting it up with, like, everything with Valentina, everything with the military going mm-hmm. referencing back to it. And so I thought that's where they were going. And the fact that the movie never pushed it there makes no. it seem like a waste of time. Yeah. Now. So... Yeah, so I I agree that in hindsight the politics stuff just doesn't work because it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a fulfilling no, no teeth. No, no teeth. Uh, okay. So we got that stuff. What are some of the stuff that you really liked? I know you, the emotional part. The fashion. You, there we go. Go ahead. The fashion, and I watched the first Black Panther movie. Black Ruth Panther Carter movie back is amazing. As costume designer. No, no, no. She did amazing in this movie. I think better than the first Black Panther movie. I don't know what the fuck she was on. The colors, (laughs) the styles, the cuts on these people, the athleisure. Oh, my God. I loved every second of it. I kept turning to my sister in the theater and being like, oh, my God. They look fabulous. They look stunning. (laughs) Like, they look so good. I admired all of it. And if they came out with a line of just like Wakanda style, yeah. I, I would buy it. Like it looks oh so my good. Goodness. Everything that they're wearing is so, so nice. It is. Do you do you agree? Like they oh, had no. this. It's it's fantastic. They had Lupita when they go to Haiti and then Lupita comes out in this hot pink uh dress. And I was like, oh my God, that is such a nice color against her against her skin and i Mm -hmm. thought she looked radiant and just everything about it was like perfect and that's just one example of one fit and i was like every fit is so good intentional and amazing i that's one thing that i gotta give up is that the established world of wakanda and the the costuming and the design of almost everything that the wakandans are whether it's the fashion whether it's the city whether it's anything that they are employing I think is just done to a fantastic level mm-hmm. and shout out to Ruth Carter who came back as the costume designer for, for what kind of forever. And she did an amazing job with just outfitting mm-hmm. and, and just building on top of what she already did in the first black Panther, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because she also had to do stuff for the Atlanteans as well. Now, you know, mm-hmm. because that's a whole new world that she has to build up. So, you know the the head pieces. Oh my the, god! The um, like the necklace, mm-hmm. uh, the jewelry, or the, the everything. Yeah, uh, that, all that they are fantastic. Stuff. Amazing. Yeah. So so there's some things out. that I wish had had a chance at the Oscars, like Angela Bassett's performance, mm. the music from Ludwig, the the styling, the costuming, best costume design. Like where I don't think Ruth is gonna get a nod, or if she does, she won't win. Yeah, because in their eyes, it's like, oh, she already won for Black Panther. I just think it's so good. It like, is. Uh, it is. I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here 
uh, disagreeing with you. It it Ugh. definitely is fantastic stuff. It's worthy to me. It definitely is. I very agree. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Sinoch because I just loved him more. Yes. And his backstory. And I felt like despite all of the other like complaints that we have about the subplots, the political stuff and the introduction of oh, what's her name? Ironheart. Yep. That character. The best bits were Tenoch and all of his people and um, Atlantis, which they don't, I don't think they even say Atlantis, but it no, is. No, they call it uh, Tulukan. Tulukan, but it's um, or Talokan. Talokan, yep. But I just loved the, especially the grotto that they kind of kept them in. Yes. That was really nice. That was a beautiful design Beautiful, location. yeah. I just appreciated like the motifs and paintings that were on the walls, mm-hmm. especially I think at the end he has like a panther and and, and a deity or something like yeah fi- were they embracing or fighting i couldn't tell it kind of looked like they were fighting it looked like a fight and yeah. so he is yeah. known as the uh the feather serpent god to his people did you see that that was trending that audio from black panther no on tiktok okay so mbaku says his people do not call him general or king they call him kukulkan the feathered serpent god and that audio has been trending on tiktok people like reenacting the scene and lip syncing to it or whatever and i think it's funny that of all audio sound bites from the movie they pick that one i guess they just found it kind of like eccentric i don't know it's it's Somewhat eccentric because especially with the way uh, Winston Duke is delivering the line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's <laughs> like, they know, uh, they do not call him a general or king. They call him Kukukan. <laughs> that's that's what people are doing. Like he really <laughs> puts like the, like the full and- emphasis. Yeah. They call him Kukukan. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think the design of and and being able to draw from like the indigenous mesoamerican yucatan mayan like that indigenous people i think was such a smart choice because uh-huh the wakandans are based off of a lot of african tribes and a, a mm-hmm. lot of the african you know subculture that's mm-hmm. there so being able to take another character and put them within our world you know, mm-hmm. it's not some made up thing. That was the thing that I really appreciated is they chose Mesoamerican, they chose Mexican to base the character and the character's culture off of. And that's not something that the comics do. And we looked up Namor and we were like, what is this deal? Like, did, is he really a Mesoamerican and all this stuff? And no, he's just Atlantean. He's, I think, uh, half white, half uh atlantean like an, yep. he was his mother was an atlantean princess and i was like yep. okay bet they took that to the next level <laughs> and they gave them all a, an entire backstory with the root the flower thing that they all ground up and drank and that killed them and made them adapted to water and they had to take to the, the seas to live and all this crap it was cool and i think that that was a really good choice i thought it was also a very good choice to have to know Chueta, cast because he is obviously mexican but also he's dark-skinned and in a lot of the interviews he was saying that he never made it in 
uh, Latin America never made it in Mexico because he was too dark skinned. Yeah. Because they're colorists. They're, they're- there's it, it, something huge in the Hispanic community. Yes, which we, I guess we should talk about because we're well equipped to talk about this. But anyway, it's in the States, we call it racism. In everywhere else, it's colorism. Yep. The light skinned people are the people that are considered most attractive. They're the ones that are in the media. They're the ones that get cast in the movies and the TV shows and the novelas. And he makes an excellent point that he's like, well, I just feel so proud, you know, Orgulloso that I actually was cast in the MCU that the West and America accepted me, whereas my own country, my own people did not. And I was trying to make it over there and they didn't because I'm too dark skinned. And I'm like, that is a whole can of worms that he just opened up. But I really appreciate that. And I'm very excited that people are finding you know him attractive that he's like trending on tiktok and stuff and i i support that because i thought he was beautiful and attractive and i turned to my sister and i was like did you hear some of these interviews that he was talking about that he never made in mexico and all this stuff because he's too dark and i was like i thought he was beautiful like i was literally like stunned yeah because i found him super attractive and like why wouldn't they take him in the the mexico like you know latin america scene yeah but it's something that we both have seen uh, yes. growing up. It's common. Yeah, you turn on Univision or you turn on. You're Telemundo, gonna see white people. It's white people that yeah. that can speak Spanish, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, so it is an unfair system for Hispanics that are dark skinned I remember during uh, the whole in the Heights uh, situation. Oh, that was another remember, one. Yeah, that, like they suffered from the criticism of colorism as well. Because their main characters are all light skinned, but like the side characters and are all darker. So they they don't put the, you know, darker skinned mm-hmm. Latinos or Latinx, however you want to phrase it, they don't put them into those starring roles. Mm-hmm. They put them always as supporting characters. So here we see a major American company mm-hmm. put their resources behind Someone who obviously has the talent and <laughs> does look good. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. You know, but, you know, because of backwards ass thinking yeah. by a lot of people, they look at his skin color and think, eh, people are not going to like this. He's not attractive. He's not the, That's what the beauty think. standard. Yeah. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the Hispanic beauty standard that is on those channels by those executives. And it really sucks. But I'm glad that, you know, we are actually seeing that representation. That is something that you don't see all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very good. To and see I didn't even here. think of anything. Not that I didn't think anything of it because I was like in the middle of the theater. I turned to my sister and I was like, whip a bitch. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, viva Mexico. And I like left very um, proud that, you know, they had Tenoch in the movie. But the colorism never even hit me until later when I saw some interviews and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a plague. It's a plague for us. It's a plague, man. It really Everywhere. is. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, speaking of like the press junket and TikTok, like the, the one. Did you see that, them dancing? Yes. That's the oh! one that I was going to say <laughs> is that the big thing that's been happening over the last like week or so is that they were in Mexico <laughs> for the premiere and like just the dancing that him and Lupita Nyong'o were doing. 
Lupita's um, half Mexican. She yeah, don't play. Because she was born in Mexico City. She, yes. She went to college there and everything. So yeah, She speaks she, fluent Spanish and she got to speak Spanish in the movie and she was she very did. proud of that. Yes. Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, Latina. See. Yeah. Or as the woke people say, um, Afro-Latina. Right. <laughs> 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 anyway oh, okay yeah the the clip of them dancing is yes. like the best thing i saw all week <laughs> fantastic stuff uh so obviously the way the movie ends obviously we don't we have uh namor coming back because first off shuri now officially the black panther she was able to recreate the the heart shaper and she so, 3d printed the heart shaped herb using a combination of that DNA profile mm-hmm. and the DNA profile of the herb that Tenochtitlan people, or sorry, Namor's people took. Yep, the Atlanteans. Yep, the Atlanteans. I thought she'd have some sort of some sort of like water capability because she took the herb, and I was that like, oh, it's something. kind of like a mecla, so it, maybe it has some properties. No, it didn't. It was just Black Panther, <laughs> exactly. the Black Panther powers. So. She spares his life after she was going after vengeance. So there's two she things. She was we going need to talk for about. vengeance. Let's talk about that. And so, okay, go for it. Let's talk. So the vengeance. She's going for vengeance. But before she goes for vengeance, uh, she does visit the ancestral plane. Oh my god. Well, this is after Angela Bassett's character dies yes. brutally. Yes. She drowns. Yep, she drowns. And I did not Rimi. I did not think in a million years that they would kill Angela Bassett's Queen Ormonda. Neither did I. I didn't expect that. I was shocked. So that happens. Yeah. So Angela Bassett, Queen Ramonda. So we get we have two a second funerals. funeral. Ugh. Oh my goodness, we get two funerals in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, and at that point, you could kind of see Shuri's almost numb yeah. to, to what's going on. And Mbaku has, you know, he made a promise to T'Challa that he would be there and that he would provide counsel, and so. What I like about M'Baku up until this point from earlier on in the movie to then is that at the beginning he was like, oh, let's just cure, let's just kill this feather winged by the ankles dude, right? The yeah, he comes man. in like eating to the council. Yeah. And it's like, let's, let's just kill, kill the fish, the fish man. man. Yeah, <laughs> let's kill him. But then when he, he you know, he actually learns about them, mm-hmm. uh, he even m- makes a reference. It's like. We get, you know, we get books up here yeah. in, in Jabari. We're educated, We're educated up in these mountains. Yeah. We know. So, but he understands the cost of going to war mm-hmm. over vengeance, mm-hmm. not because of protection or anything. And he, he can see kind of in Shuri that that's what's going on. So Shuri, she, you know, is able to recreate the herb. She takes it. She goes to the ancestral plane. And who is there to meet her? It's not her brother. It's not her mom. It is Killmonger. Yes. Cousin Killmonger in the throne room. Yes. And something that I heard, and and I think it speaks to this, is that uh, when the characters go to the ancestral plane, they go there seeking answers. Mm. They have questions. When they go, because if you think about uh, T'Challa, uh, the first time he goes, how am I supposed to be a great king? 
you know, how am I supposed to do this? He goes again a second time, but this time he goes with the question as, how could you, king of Wakanda, kill your own brother? Kill your own brother. And do not bring your nephew to home. Wakanda. Yeah, yeah, home. Not bring him home. Uh, when Killmonger goes to the ancestral plane, he goes to his father. Mm. And he tries to understand why didn't we ever go back mm -hmm, to Wakanda, mm -hmm. you know? And why did they treat us like outsiders? Right. So now when Shuri goes, Shuri's question going in is, how am I supposed to deal with the rage and the anger that I have in me for everything that's been happening to my people, my family? Mm -hmm. So the response to that is not going to be someone as noble as T'Challa. It's not going to be someone as wise as her mother, Rwanda. No, no, no. Ramunda, sorry. <laughs> Ramunda. I, I don't know. Confusing Rwanda's that. a country. That is a country. You are right. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but it's not going to be those things. It's going to be a response of vengeance and anger. And that is well represented in Eric, in Killmonger. Mm -hmm. So obviously she is taken aback that this is her response. And she's her met question. with the unworthy king. Right. She's met with the unworthy king, which already in herself, she doesn't want that mantle. She doesn't want the She mantle. didn't want that panther to show up in her ancestral plane. No, and she didn't want to be the panther anyway. Because even after the the mm -hmm. death of T'Challa, she never like just stepped up and said, I'll take over that mantle or mm -hmm. anything like that. She just I don't think she ever it. felt ownership over the throne and she never felt ownership over the panther. No, uh, persona, moniker. it was never for her. Yeah. In her eyes, I think. Um, but I really appreciate that scene. I really enjoy that scene, too. I thought that was brilliant. Yes. A brilliant stroke, because I think most people and myself included thought that they would probably recreate T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman in that moment. Which I think it would have been a mistake if they would have. And the fact that she kind of turns the corner and who's sitting on the throne Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. I was like, oh my God, this is a clear uh, sign of how this character is mentally and emotionally is that her subconscious or whatever you want to call it summoned him to her ancestral plane. And it's like she doesn't feel a connection to her ancestor. She doesn't feel a connection to the nobility and the values of her brother or same for her mother who literally just passed <laughs> and the fact that it's it's killmonger that she must feel some sort of rage that's akin to his injustice maybe and you know they have this really powerful conversation in there where he's like what are you going to choose yeah which path are you going to choose my path or, or your, brother's. your brother's yeah um and this kind of ties into Shuri's thought process leading into that. Because if you remember, so, oh my she God. doesn't believe she in the is. That's another, plane. yes, that's another theme of the movie that I was like, I got to take notes of this. And I didn't. I was, it was just a, th a thought that flew into my mind in the movie. And then I never like returned to it. She is a woman of science. Mm -hmm. And all of the other royals and people that she would have met in the ancestral plane are people of faith. Faith versus science. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I feel is like a compelling thing in a story as rich as something mm -hmm. involving Wakanda. 
Yeah. Where, Based, and then she shirks tradition. And it's another thing of like old school versus new school, traditions mm-hmm. versus modernity. Yep. And she's always represented that. But the faith versus science or whatever is new to this movie. It is. And the way she dives into her science looking for answers, mm. not in the rituals, not in the spirituality. She is looking through her 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 science mm-hmm. in equations, in things that are tangible to her that she can find answers. Mm-hmm. And so whenever the ancestral plane and ancestors are brought up, she just rejects it. She's like, yeah. I don't believe in that. And that's something that Killmonger challenges her in the moment is he's like you didn't even believe that the Mm -hmm. ancestral plane existed did you right but here she is faced with it but faced in the worst possible way it's amazing it was like you know kind of a litmus test almost it's all a star wars like you know go into the face your your deepest fear your deepest part of yourself and Mm -hmm. you'll come out a different person you'll know all your answers and have the direction at the very least. And that's kind of what happens here for her going into the ancestral plane. Did you have any thoughts about her not being buried in the clay or dirt or whatever that they usually do during the ritual? And instead she comes out of water in her ancestral plane. Mm-hmm. The other guys, they come out of like, you know, the dirt or whatever. The dirt. Yeah. They kind of rise from the, a grave, so to speak. Yeah. In, into a new persona, a new life as the panther. And in her case, she rises out of water. Instead. Swims out. Yeah. Uh, what did you What did you have what thoughts I, about what that? What I took out of that is obviously she's shirking tradition, number one. But number two, because she is shirking that tradition, she is using her last memory of who she wants to see which is her mother. Mm. And her mother died in the throne room right, right. underneath, drowned. So she comes out from the water that her mother drowned. Mm-hmm. So she, in her head, is expecting to see her mother. Resurrected. That's the, that's the person that she wants to see. That's the person she wants to talk to. And she even like calls out for her mother mm-hmm. and then once turns the corner, sees Killmonger. So I, I feel like that was more of an embodiment of, first off, I already don't believe in this. Just give me the herb. Let's see what happens. And then she's taken to the plane. And then on top of that there, her thought process is the only person that I want to talk to anyway is my mother. So the last memory she has is her dying. So that's the image that she has that manifests itself. But that's not the person that she gets, though. I also kind of feel like in the moment, because of the way that she created the herb, she 3D printed it and combined it with a DNA or whatever, mm-hmm. of that water-based uh, plant that they ingested, the Atlanteans did, that that's also why she emerged out of water out in of her water. ancestral plane. But I wish that, I honestly wish they took it a step further and she had some sort of Atlantean, like, thing that going on been, with her. That would have been pretty cool if she did. Yeah. But I really like your – I love your assessment of why she emerged from water. So so that was a big scene. It's kind of a baptism. Hey, you're on to something there. Hey, hey, hey. hey. All of a sudden, a person (laughs) of science now having their faith tested. Mm, Oh, 
Boy. Let me know. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, So the other one, the other big scene that I want to talk about is the mid credit scene. Okay. Uh, Well, let's talk about the quick, like, third act, like, the issue with it that I have. Yeah, sure. So she becomes a panther. She tells her people, now you have a protector. She tells M'Baku, we're going to fucking war. It's done. We're doing what I want. She asserts herself. Fine. They end up on this giant boat raft thing in the middle of nowhere because they kind of take the fight to the Atlanteans. They want it away from their Wakanda border. And... It's kind of like a free-for-all out in the ocean and the Atlanteans just clamoring up the side of this metal beast thing. I did not like this at all. I don't think it was done very well. No. And then on top of that, you know, I'm going in with an expectation of what I'm thinking I'm going to see in the third act. So then when that doesn't actually happen, you know, it kind of, you know, is a letdown anyway. What were you expecting to see in the third act? Where what I was saying earlier is like the the two were, you know, at odds with each other. But then a third party comes in. Got you. I thought that was going to happen. But then Mm -hmm. when it doesn't, it's just like, ugh. not only do we get a fight that I didn't really care for because I don't think there's going to be a winner here. Because I thought the Wakandans lost tremendously because there oh, was no, infinitely more Atlanteans and they were oh, taking yeah, out the sure. Wakandans like but endlessly. On the other side, like I knew Shuri wasn't going to kill. Uh, no, I knew. But it. I do like how they invoke her mother's words, what she said to T'Challa uh, when he was doing his uh, fight. What's yep, that called? His, uh, the ritual. The, um, uh, the the ritual combat. Ritual combat. Yeah. Ritual combat. She says, show them who you are in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And again, she says it to Shuri in her mind's eye. She remembers, show them who you are. Mm-hmm. And she does. She ends up choosing mercy. She ends up choosing <laughs> diplomacy and a quick and dirty allyship, which just means we're not going to poke each other. And I will protect your borders and I will protect your secret that you don't want to be discovered, whatever. But none of that. I mean, I don't think she necessarily resolves the whole he wants to go to war against the entire surface world issue. She doesn't. She just kind of bypasses that entirely and shows him mercy. Doesn't kill him. I particularly like though when she she ripped off one of his feathers, one of his wings. Yeah, that, uh, was, that was brutal. That was, <laughs> was really like brutal. Yeah, I was like, it, like she, and she it still had it in her too. hand. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. So I'm I'm super glad that they didn't. This wasn't one of those one and done characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that Namor. they kept him. They yeah. kept them around because. Um. Okay. So, uh, Namor. He is. I want to say he was like one of the first like five characters Marvel ever created. Yeah, he's really old. I think he's 1939 really was the go. year that I saw. Boom. Yeah. 1939. So I... 39 or 49, but yeah, then, he's real old. What really uh, like got me excited is that like they mention what he is. He's a mutant. He you know, said mutant. He says it himself. Yeah. So for me, that was like a big deal. It's like referencing his actual uh, heritage. He's one Marvel. of the oldest mutants. Yes, he is. He is one of the oldest mutants. And someone said the only one older is Wolverine, and I was like, "Was Wolverine before uh, Conquistador Not- time?" <laughs> uh, no. Exactly. So no. I was like, "What are they talking about?" No, 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 no. 
uh yeah he he definitely has been around way longer uh so in the con in the narrative of his narrative you know, story universe or whatever yeah. narrative story yeah no you're you're right uh but overall i really thought the movie was was really good uh, i think there's obviously flaws in it for mm -hmm. sure but i think the emotional work that the movie is doing through yeah. Letitia, through Angela, through Denai, even even though she's sidelined in the third act, almost. Uh, Pretty much. Did you like her fit, though? I thought it was fugly. Oh, it was just, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Terrible. Okay, is she supposed to be somebody? Kid. I don't know. I honestly okay. don't know that that character, if if she's supposed to be something. I thought it was when real fugly. It, it looked like, like the Predator. As well, yeah, I did. Why? Why? Like blue and <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was terrible. It okay. looked like I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was just an awful suit. It was not a good design. No, I thought it was not. Uh, so that, especially since her like regular fit as a general is so badass. <laughs> it is so awesome. Yeah, but no, let's put her in this CGI suit. Oh, weird. Awful. Yeah. Okay. So this kind of, this does lead us towards the end where uh, no wait because I'm sorry sorry yeah. did you like how Tenoch was using or sorry I keep saying Tenoch Namor was using um his wings to it wasn't necessarily like to fly he was like running on the on the wind on the air yes Loved I it. thought that was brilliant like he, I thought he that was it was good. like he was bouncing off of like mm -hmm. the wind or whatever like his his wings would help him like change direction really fast. Yeah. And I, that I found to be really cool. I thought that was a good design choice. Visually very cool to see. He looked like, you know, running. Yeah, you know it did saying? look like running in air. Yeah. Bouncing off of air. The oh. first time he did it, I was like, oh, my God, I think he's running on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> it was Your good. Reaction. I thought that was a, a good choice. It was a good choice. It was. Uh, so I, I can't wait to see more of uh, Namor. I, he's going to appear, you know, in a larger Marvel context, you know, because mm -hmm. when, you know, the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars comes out, he'll definitely be like something in there as well. Did you like how his throne looked with the giant like Megalodon like the, or whatever? I like the design. The jaws. Yeah. I yeah. enjoyed that immensely. And I told my sister when everyone kept doing like this with the hands. Yeah. The hand motion like this. I was like, that's signifying like shark, a shark jaw or something like that. It looks like a shark jaw to me. It does. And then boom, that as soon as he sat on the throne and they did this like salute to him with the, their hands in that shape, I was like, I told you, it looks just like shark teeth, shark jaws. It kind of looked like at the same time, cool and everything, the shark uh it also looked like they were like doing like the Power Rangers movement, like morphing time. Well, it also looks like uh, what's that? <sighs> Dragon Ball Z, like Kamehameha. Ah, uh, yes. You know, <laughs> or uh, Ryu from uh, Street Fighter, Hadouken. Like it. Oh God! <laughs> so it looks like a couple of things. Looks like a couple. Of things. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, the female like general or whatever that was with yes. him that had a wonderful like headpiece as well mm -hmm. that's his cousin in real life no not in real life oh, in, the, in the comic or in whatever comic, her name yeah. is namora oh yeah it was namora yeah when i saw namora i was like they're related and then bex looked up the character afterward and that's like he blood relation 
Blood relation. There yep. we go. All right. I think we. I think that's it. We've pushed around enough mid credit scene. Mid credit scene. Let's go. Uh, so Shuri goes to Haiti, visits uh, to have her ritual. Yeah, her Nikia, grieving ritual. Yeah, the grieving ritual of burning the clothes, and so she goes to burn. Um, I guess it's her, her mother's. mother's clothes? But the entire montage between is of her and T'Challa. Well, uh, her mother's in it too, though. Yeah, she she's sporadically in there, mm-hmm. but it really focuses on on T'Challa more than for sure, than her for sure. Uh, and you know, it's it's a very strong piece to end the movie. It, it blends right into Rihanna's. Song. The Rihanna song, I was telling my sister, I was like, they haven't played it yet. They're going to do it right at the end. And boom. They did the whole thing. So good. And then we hit the mid credits after this really emotional ending of her crying. She's finally letting go. She's finally having this moment of catharsis that mm-hmm. her mother had tried to teach her and, and show her before. And then we get this mid credit scene. Yep. The mid credit scene continuation of the scene that we had just ended on and lupita says can we join you now who does she have with her because a child my theater erupted and i was just like you gotta be kidding me there no i should have seen it come i thought to myself i should have seen this coming i should have known that they would have done this that they had a love child and they that's why Lupita was basically sorry, Nakia was basically disappeared. absent. Disappeared for like six years. She it's disappeared a it's a blip baby. Thanos. It's a blip baby. It's a blip baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like she had the baby after he was gone. Yeah. After she, uh He got blipped. Yeah, pretty much. He got blipped, left, all that. Mm-hmm. Come back. Yeah. Uh so yeah. And so, and then on top of that, like obviously the bait, the kid has a name. I can't remember the name that they gave him, like the Haitian name. I can't remember the Haitian name either. But, then, but... that's not my real name. Like you know, the kid's like, I heard you're really good at uh, keeping secrets, Auntie Sherry. It's like, okay, yeah, I am. And it's like, well, that's not my actual name. You know, that's my Haitian name. My real name is uh, T'Challa. Prince T'Challa. Yeah. Son of King T'Challa, and it's just I got like, goosebumps. Oh, oh my goodness! Of course he's T'Challa. Of course yeah. we have another Black Panther. Yeah, of course makes all the sense in the world. And if this is the way they they you know replace T'Challa, and I put that in quotation quote like, unquote, <laughs> you know that it, it, he's the heir to mm-hmm. T'Challa's throne, then you know by all means go for it, do it. I thought it was so rude for them not to tell la tia that <laughs> this little kid even existed. Because she goes, did my mother know? Did First of all, did he know? Did your child know? Yes, he, you know, helped me decide that we should live apart in Haiti or whatever the fuck, separate from any pressures of the throne. And of course, in secret, because of course, he's royalty. And okay, fine. Did my mom know? Yes, she also knew. I was like, what? So she was the only person who didn't know that she had a nephew? That was pretty messed up. I was like, that is fucked. Man, <laughs> that is terrible. You couldn't tell your sister. You couldn't tell her. Th- that's 
idea. Queen, you couldn't tell your daughter? Yeah. That she was an auntie? Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Yeah, and weird. I get it. I get it. Because Lupita's Nakia never wanted to be queen. Never. Never, never ever, never ever never wanted to be thing. queen. Yeah. She always shied away. Like, she would like, when, He's like, oh, <laughs> when T'Challa would bring it up, you know, you could be I know a way you like, can eh. help the country or whatever. And Right. And know. she'd be like, no, nah, I'm better out in the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, but that was a very powerful way of tying Continuing the, the legacy. And continuing, and continuing the legacy. The legacy. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions, though, about the line of succession because is she, is she a regent now? Is she going to relinquish the throne when he's of age? Does he have a... King classes, how to rule classes that uh, Nakia is giving him. What is the kind of education that he should receive if he is going to obviously take up the mantle of Black Panther? And I think it's very obvious, especially since he called himself, I'm Prince T'Challa, that he considers himself worthy of the throne. Considers himself in the line of succession. So does this leave Shuri out? Like of anything having to do with Black Panther? Is she just keeping the seat warm for him? Like what? What is the the plan here? I questions have a lot of questions. Abound. Yes. Yes. But I'm pretty sure he'll get the you know the up and up on royalty uh, attending Nakia School for Espionage and Royalty. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, but overall, I I had a great experience with this movie. I think it's going to be a tough rewatch if if you ever watch it down the road. I think if you're like if there's a Black Panther three, I think you revisit it at that time to kind of you know get yourself you know emotionally into the spot of returning to Wakanda and everything. But just out of nowhere, like hey, Wakanda Forever's on. Yeah, kind of tough to be like yeah, let's let's watch it. Because it's such an emotionally draining movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it's it's going to be hard to just revisit just normally. But again, still a great movie. Great job by all the cast and crew. It was a huge endeavor to, to do this. So I think they to took them. underwater classes. A lot of the cast had to learn how to swim. Even the director, mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler, was like, I had to learn how to swim so I could direct these people in the water. <laughs> and I thought that was really... Uh, a great thought to have a lot of these underwater scenes actually shot underwater. I think the character that I mentioned before, the cousin of Namor, Namora, mm-hmm. that actress, I think she held her breath for like six minutes. What? Yeah. She was saying that it, she did the best out of everybody. She held her breath for six minutes at a time. And I think they even mentioned that they don't have anything. She's like, I don't have the record. Kate Winslet has the record. Oh my goodness! And I was like, "We're even mentioning avatars, um, Avatar two, Jim Cameron's <laughs> baby, and Kate Winslet's record underwater r- record of se- I think it's seven minutes or something. That's oh, outrageous. God. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Oh. A lot of stuff has come up in this presser that I'm like, if I was a PR person, I don't think I'd mention Avatar. I don't think I'd mention no. Aquaman. I don't think I'd mention you know, yeah, some well, of like, these things. I was like, this is pretty freeing. People- these people are going to already compare mm-hmm. you don't need the help of your own people mentioning that stuff yeah so i've but i found it 
really fascinating and kind of a scene less like they were on on a agenda having what's the term that they were on a leash mm-hmm. from Disney mm-hmm. or Marvel, which felt nice. It felt like uh, a lot of authenticity in the press tour and a lot of fun and uh, very freeing for these people. Probably a little more emotional than it should be, but because of the loss of Chadwick, that question abounds every time they come up against a new, you know, question of about Chadwick. How would, how did you guys feel about coming back to this property, coming back to the story, and without him? It it can't be an easy answer. It so, can't be an easy thought. Quite an interesting press tour, I found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I agree because there's so many times where that question is asked, like, how were you guys able to do this without Chadwick? Mm-hmm. You know, and how many times can you answer that? Yeah. You know, it 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 had to be a draining experience just from beginning to end. So, shout out to them. And we'll see how that story carries going yep. forward. We'll see yep. how it goes. So uh, outside of that, that's pretty much our review, our thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. If if you have thoughts on it, let us know on social media. You could check us out on all the socials at Always Critic Pod. Uh, we don't know if we're going to stay on Twitter, but um, <laughs> yeah, you could check us out all the crit- at Always Critic Pod on all the socials. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast app, do that now. Uh, just look up Always the Critic. Uh, also, if you are a fan of the show, give us a five-star review through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, either one. Uh, really goes a long way for us. And then finally, if you've done all that, hey, there's always become a super fan by becoming a patron. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. For as little as $2 a month, mm-hmm. you get... Uh, catalog of different things that we talk about sometimes it's behind the scenes like bonus content from just our recordings uh daybok related content yeah bringing uh i have one or two things here and there soon uh there's a couple of episodes left so i'm waiting till the season ends but andor i will recap it uh once it is over uh, again check out andor people that is <laughs> such a great show and other than that that has been our episode i'm rico and i'm jessica and this has been the always the critic podcast